Hello and welcome to Glastocast, the unofficial Glastonbury Festival podcast. In this episode, Jesse and I will talk about our experience at Glastonbury 2022, the upcoming ticket sale and our hopes and expectations for next year. Jesse, welcome back. How are you? <laughs> I'm good, thank you. I think I was just ex- I was expecting you to say something else there, Miguel. But yeah, I'm really, really good, thank you. <laughs> it's coming into autumn. You know, I've finished all my festivals for the season now, and. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to lie, I am missing it a little bit, but I'm doing very well and, um, yeah, excited to get back on the podcast. Uh, how was the end of your summer? Any other highlights, festival highlights you want to share or where did you take your tent this summer after Glastonbury? So I actually did a few before Glastonbury as well. Um, I did Shindig Festival, which was really, really good. That was in late May. Then I did um, Mighty Hoopla as well, which is a day festival in London. That was very pop-tastic. Uh, then obviously Glasto. Um, and then, gosh, yeah, I did a few. I did Secret Garden Party, which made its return in 2022 after five years off um not gonna lie it wasn't that great if you want to know more have a look at my where's my tent blog but secret garden party used to be amazing and i think that they just they didn't think things through properly this year so hopefully i'm sure it will be back better than ever next year but then i also did uh boomtown fair which i always do as well um i saw captain uh after our interview with him so yeah i saw him do a dj set in the hidden woods which was wicked boomtown was absolutely melting though i mean of course we had a we had a hot summer all round like i know mm-hmm. everybody will will know that but boomtown was the hottest festival i've ever been to like imagine do you remember that day it got to like 32 or 33 degrees at glastonbury yeah, in yeah. 2019 it was like that for 5 days solid it oh, was damn. It was a lot, um, but it was really, really good, Boomtown. Um, and then, yeah, I did um, Stowaway Festival as well, which was, it, it's not new. Um, they rebranded this year. It, it used to be called the Festival of Beer, which, you know, obviously would probably put someone like me off being a non-beer drinker. <laughs> um, but they rebranded to Stowaway Festival um, and yeah, I went along for the first time and it was so, so good. So that's another little tidbit recommendation for me. It was like, it was just all the best vibes, but like super small. I think it's only about 5,000 capacity. Um, they still had like Orbital headline. They had some really big names and just everything. The organization was absolutely perfect. Like the site was spotless. The toilets were amazing. They had really good uh well, beers, obviously, you can imagine, <laughs> but also really, really good food, a number of different stages. You could go canoeing or paddleboarding on the lake. They had, anyway, I won't gush about it too much, but Stowaway was fantastic as well. So there you go. I did I did a number this year around Glastonbury. Had a good time. How about you? Well, in the words of our good friend Rob, wow, fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> would, would you say you were back 
almost like full force because this is really the first year where maybe there wasn't really any restrictions in terms of a pandemic really would you say you sort of back the numbers of festivals or, or the experience you have or similar to you back on track let's say yeah um i mean don't get me wrong i would have done more if i could um i have had years where i've done I think my most was nine camping festivals. Can you imagine? Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, so this year was kind of less than I've done before, but that was nothing to do with pandemic. Basically, I've grown up and I've got more of a, um, mm-hmm. a proper job now. <laughs> you know, I'm a manager now and things. So just my, I have to be a bit more careful with my annual leave. Like I, in, in my old job, sort of four or five years ago, I could... I could basically say, can I have every Friday and Monday off every weekend <laughs> oh, good. in the summer? Yeah, <laughs> I can't do that anymore. Um, but yeah, I, definitely the industry felt like it was kind of back to full force. I think, I mean, I don't again, I don't want to derail this too much, but definitely something that's been discussed is like the actual number of events has, the number of festivals has has grown massively. And uh-huh. now, and, and people are more wary to buy tickets early, if you know what I mean. So okay uh, we did see you know there were a number of festivals that like cancelled last minute this year um and not due to covid or anything but due to that you know they were sort of waiting and waiting for their ticket sales to go up and because people were kind of like oh well you know we'll just buy tickets closer to the time it it, it yeah, yeah. sort of caused a lot of problems i think so and and just the sheer choice out there is is massive you know basically every single weekend there's a choice of kind of five or six you know pretty sizable festivals to choose from over the summer so but um it, it did all feel you know up and and raring again um obviously you know glasto being the biggest of them all it was mad to be back in those fields with that many people i did you know shed a tear stood in the crowd like oh we're all <laughs> together again um but yeah it all felt back to normal yeah. mostly for, yeah, yeah. for me but yeah it's, it's it's interesting i mean it's not interesting maybe it's sad but i think we get to understand the actual impact on not just the industry but how, on how people consume festivals or mm. events i don't know if we're still sort of kind of relearning how we used to do or we are changed and we are adapting but it's still happening but yeah it was good that you were able to to go to so many camping festivals that before or as much as as you like uh that's excellent oh well my, my end i got somewhere it was really my only camping festival but that's usually my normal to be honest uh, other than glastonbury mostly i just do a few random gigs or some festivals in london park which is just easy to go even though this year we we did have some strikes around so many of the big festivals in mm-hmm. london as well <laughs> as well as glastonbury as we're going to be talking about that uh, but if i would pick a highlight other than glastonbury itself i did go to see nick cave at all points east mm. and that was that was massive really it is an artist i really really like and for some reason i never went to see him live even though he's been in london not many years ago and he's quite connected to uk so i finally was able to see him perform and he, he just delivered i would say probably was the musical highlight of my festival this year that that was so so good and another one was just after glastonbury we came back on monday and on that week lcd sound system was doing like a some sort of residency at the Ocho academy in brixton oh, london awesome. brixton yeah yeah 
I think I think it was Five Nights maybe, and they are a band I really really like. So I actually had tickets for two nights. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one was on Wednesday, so not long after Glastonbury, and then I had one for Sunday. As a big fan, I, I say I'm, I think I'm gonna go for two nights. <laughs> they also really delivered. I seen them many many times, and I it probably was on my top three performances I've seen of them, uh, or maybe even would be up on, up there at the top with the other stage performance. How how so, were you like the going to a gig the Wednesday after Glastonbury so you've obviously got home like Monday afternoon (laughs) probably collapsed into your bed yes spent the day on the sofa on Tuesday and then went to a gig Wednesday night were you not still dead I definitely was still dead on the Wednesday so here's the thing I wasn't gonna I was gonna get to that because Wednesday I had most amazing time and 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 again if I'm honest uh, these two performances as I say are the highlights of my summer even more than anything I've seen at the farm this year I'm afraid to say so but why that's I mean that's fine it's your favorite band it's totally yeah 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 I did mention in a lineup episode with Captain that uh, something that I was missing this year's Glastonbury that I didn't have the band you know there's always one act that is a band that I really like and I've seen many times, but I always, I'm always ready to see them again. Or is a band I, I always wanted to see, but never had the chance. And to see them at the farm would be fantastic. And this year I was kind of missing that. But then the summer still delivered these two performances and that was great. Mm-hmm. But to answer your question, so Wednesday was fantastic. I, I left the, the, the concert feeling larger than life and so excited to go on Sunday because I actually went by myself on Wednesday. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, but for the Sunday's uh, gig, I actually convinced, com- no, didn't convince, but I invited many, many friends of mine who also liked the band. So we were going as a big, big group. Uh, many, many of that group were at Glastonbury, if not all of them. Uh, so it was going to be another big meetup just after Glastonbury. But what happened is I tested for positive for COVID on Saturday. Oh, no. <laughs> and I would never know if it's a delayed positive from the Glastonbury mm-hmm. or if it's from the gig on Wednesday or if it's from, I don't know, just going to the supermarket. Who knows? But so I did miss the second night I had planned. Well, I mean, I missed, I missed going with all my tickets. friends as well. Uh, yeah, at least you had both nights. But yeah, that's a shame you missed it with your friends. Oh, bless you. Yeah, yeah so basically, these are my, my highlights from the summer other than the festival. I did go to other festivals in London uh, and some other gigs, but these are the ones really I wanted to share. Amazing. Yeah, you reminded me that I saw the Rolling Stones at British Summertime. Um, oh, yeah. Because they are like my like top three favorite bands definitely the Rolling Stones and mm-hmm. I saw them obviously it was my number one highlight of Glastonbury ever was 2013 seeing them just because it was just such a perfect day and such a perfect gig and then I saw them again in like some sort of stadium in London I can't remember which one uh in sort of 2018 I think it was something like that mm-hmm. and I you know by that point I really did think it was kind of it like I'm not they really are getting on a bit so I'm not going to see them again but then yeah they they played British Summertime this year and I mean I'm not going to lie tickets were very expensive and my boyfriend is not into them he is not a rock guy at all uh bless yeah. him but I really really wanted to go um, so we volunteered. We I did my cause, which I hadn't done in All a right, few okay. years. And, you know, we were helping on the recycling team, uh, which was really cool. You just got to sort of stand in one spot near, like we were lucky enough to get a spot near the stage and just watch the um, support artists till... I think it's like 6.30 p.m. or something or 7 p.m. And then, yeah, you finish your shift, you go and drop off your tabard and then you can 
you know watch the band for free so i it it was really really good i, I obviously was really happy to see them again and they were mm-hmm. so good uh even pushing god knows how old they are 80 i don't know but <laughs> even <laughs> pushing that age they did so so well um and it was nice yeah. to volunteer because i haven't done that in a long time yeah amazing I, i've completely forgot about that i mean uh there was a situation this year that british summertime happened the same day as glastonbury mm-hmm. part of it so many good and massive concerts that happen in London at the same time at Glasgow. So it's a shame. Yeah, I wish I could have seen uh, Rolling Stones again. Uh, so maybe let's let's jump into the the big topic for this episode. Which yeah, is we've, we've spent, we spent quite a bit of time talking about not Glastonbury, not on, Glastonbury on our Glastonbury yeah. podcast. So maybe let's do yeah. that. <laughs> so so Jess, yeah. So it's the one we waited so many years for, and you especially had quite a different start for the uh, to the festival this year. So tell us about that, Jesse. Yeah. Um, I was about to say I'll try and keep it short, but that's not the point of the podcast, is it? Um, so, yeah, no, uh, God, as you say, I was, I think the build up to Glastonbury this year, it was three years, wasn't it? Like you, we were waiting for three years and so much changed for me in that time. Um, I mentioned this in our like pre, pre-festival episode, but uh, you know, I, I've got a, I was about to say a new boyfriend. It's not a new boyfriend, but he is since the 2019 festival. And yeah, I was I was going along this year. I was actually going to get to go to the festival before the gates open. So I was so uh, you know so so excited about that. Uh, and I was um, camping in uh, Greenpeace crew. And yeah, it was just. Uh, I mean, I, I can't even tell you the excitement. I was <laughs> I was dropped off by my friend uh, on the Sunday before the Wednesday when gates open. So sort of four days beforehand, I was dropped off at Redgate and I had a whole faff trying to get my wristband and this, that and the other, but it it took a bit of time, but I got there in the end. Mm -hmm. And then my boyfriend picked me up in a buggy, put all my stuff (laughs) on the back of the buggy and like drove me into the site and we got to drive. Not bad, not bad. I know we got to drive like behind the pyramid and I literally I was in this buggy like crying looking around going oh my god it's real I'm here and I'm on a buggy and I don't have to carry my stuff and yeah like even on the sort of Sunday afternoon like the traders are only just starting to arrive so Mm -hmm. loads of the big fields are super empty things like um you know the market fields between the bandstand and Williams Green and stuff they're they're practically still green, if you see what I mean. So yeah, yeah. it was really, really cool to see that. And then, yeah, uh, so I was I was on a, a, a punter wristband, so I still had a ticket, but I was able to get on site early because I was helping Greenpeace for the first couple of days. So I got a Greenpeace wristband as well, and that ensured I wasn't kicked off site early, which was good. <laughs> um <laughs> And yeah, so the Greenpeace field, for those who don't know, well, obviously everybody knows whether if you've been to Glastonbury, you know where the Greenpeace kind of main field is, but the crew field is kind of next to it at the back of Williams Green. So the crew campsite is in the gap between the Glade, um, the sort of left field market mm-hmm. street and the uh and west holtz field so you know everybody knows at the back of west holtz field there's that one tree that's by the toilets it's basically that's that's the corner of our field so and yeah i had betsy my uh 1972 volkswagen camper type 2 um our camper van was parked in there and her nose was basically pointed at west holtz which was which was like fantastic i can't even begin but what my boyfriend warned me about was that on the Friday, because obviously West Holtz doesn't open till the Friday, um, yeah. he was like, "Just you wait until they sound check." 
on on West Holtz because it literally shakes the van awake wow. when they're doing the dum 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 mm. of the of the bass drum. So that was fun. Because um, there's no no crowd in between to sort of. No, no, there's no. No, it's no. just full sound straight into your. <laughs> it literally just comes like a big woof wave into the into the van. So that was a fun wake up on a, on a few days. But no, I mean it was amazing. But yeah, so uh, what did I do? So you know, in exchange for getting on site early, I I basically wasn't allowed to just sit around, which is totally yeah. fair enough. <laughs> um, but they just found me a couple of shifts to do. I was actually in the Greenpeace accreditation office. So I was helping give volunteers and oh, nice. artists their wristbands as they turned up and then making sure that they go and see the campsite stewards to get so that they help put their tents up. I won't go into this too much, but the Greenpeace field is quite small and there's a lot of people that need to get in there. And Ben had warned me about this, but it what it basically means is all the tents and all the camper vans basically have to be parked about a foot and a half for the camper vans away from each other, literally like in rows, like ding, 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 right next to each other. Mm-hmm. And then tents, they, they basically put your tent up for you and they put it push it right up to the person next to you. You're not really allowed too many guy ropes and stuff. It's mm-hmm. it's, it's all about tetrising people in. <laughs> but it was, yeah, so cool to see them all setting up and meet all the volunteers and stuff. And I obviously got quite a bit of downtime. I only had to do like two eight-hour shifts. And then, yeah, I got to wander and see the site, which has always been my dream before everybody yeah, turns up. Nice. I went up to the sign on the Tuesday. I finally yeah. made it up to the sign. Um, I actually posted about that on the Glastercast Instagram. Uh-huh. And somebody replied going, it doesn't count if you went up on the Tuesday because nobody's there yet. I was like, excuse I mean, I mean, me. Maybe, maybe, maybe it is a bit of cheating. <laughs> <laughs> like for me, it's just the effort of actually walk. Like you get to the bottom of the hill and you see where the sign is. And you're like, God, that is actually really quite steep and really quite far yeah so on the Tuesday I was I didn't have anywhere to be you know I was like this is lovely and everyone did the same thing we all went up there and watched the sunset it was absolutely beautiful and what else I guess I I went and explored all the um crew bars which was super cool um always wanted to see those all right it was it was uh, crew parties happening before the gates open what's what's um I mean, I wouldn't say there's not like, well, at least if, if there were, I didn't find them. But like all the crew bars are open and like it, it's usual that, you know, so there's the Toe and Hitch, which is the Arcadia crew bar. And everybody who works in that general area, like people who work in the park or people who work in uh, obviously Arcadia itself and maybe people from the other stage, they all go to the Toe and Hitch after their shifts, if you see what I mean. It's like, yeah. it's almost like a little, you know, it, it's all location based, really. And then the Maceo's is the one for kind of the Shangri-La area. There is a, a Shangri-La crew bar as well. It's a bit smaller and it's not as well known. But yeah, you've got Maceo's for like Block 9, the Common and stuff. And then the Shangri-La one, which I can't remember the name of off the top of my head. Something to do with London Underground. They've got like mm-hmm. an old tube train in there. It's quite cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then yeah there's a theatre and circus one as well I didn't get to that one it's quite difficult to get in that one I've been told that was the one I didn't get to but yeah I wouldn't say there's like specific parties on but there is definitely always DJs playing and you know really good vibes in there as people finish their shifts and are getting excited for the festival to start amazing it's just it's really good isn't it I did volunteer back in 2014 and I was I was going to work at the bars uh, I, back then I had no idea we would be able to get into the festival before you open so I was there just the night before on Tuesday mm. but of course that was already a great experience and 
I don't think you had to work throughout the festival. I did back then, <laughs> but I must say, it's still, as I always say, 2014 is one of my favorite years, and it's, it, feel, it feels kind of nice to be part of the festival somehow, even if you're just a small cog in the whole machine. So did you kind of felt it was great to be sort of maybe part of getting the festival ready or even assisting people who are maybe doing bigger things or more important things? I mean, everyone's important, but yeah. how do you feel about that? I, I, if I'm honest, I probably felt guilty that I wasn't doing nearly as much as everybody <laughs> else. Like, you know, my boyfriend was um, helping to put the lights up in Greenpeace and he was working solid for like seven or eight days before the gates opened. But I mean, he's lucky enough that when the gates open, he that's his job done. But there were, you know, especially in literally the sort of Monday and the Tuesday before the festival, some areas of the site are just frantic, like because they've got so much to build mm -hmm. and something's been delayed and uh, yada yada yada. So in a way, when I was walking around, kind of on a on the Tuesday when I finished my shift, like some parts of the fest, obviously like in the crew bars, everyone's relaxed and having a good time. But as you're walking around, you see people. You know, honestly, I don't want to say panicking, but everybody is like, yeah. oh, my God, we have to get this work done now. Uh -huh. Like, we have run out of time. This is it. Like, yeah, I, I enjoyed being a part of it. But my, I did constantly feel slightly guilty that my role was I only had to do two really not very important shifts you know, just chilling in the accreditation office for a few hours, <laughs> really, you know, compared, but I didn't, you know, I don't have the skills. I can't help. I, otherwise I would have been the sort of person that'd be like, I'll help you paint that mate. But, you know. <laughs> uh, well, it, so it was quite a different year for you. So a, a crew campsite, getting there earlier, camper van, and you already mentioned uh, the feeling the sound check in the morning. So you, you were camping right in the middle of the action compared to where you usually camp. So is that any pros and cons? Um, God, I mean, that is a question because I don't, I, 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 <laughs> anything you miss by being maybe, uh, <laughs> with, with your group of friends, things like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's what I was going to get. Like, I didn't want to sound like too braggy. So yeah, I mean, obviously you, you, there is not really a more central campsite unless you're a trader, like that is the most central crew campsite of them all. So it was incredible to be there. The camper van, I, I mean, just having a good night's sleep oh my god it just I, I mean I'm getting old but <laughs> to sleep on a memory foam mattress in a warm camper van uh and then you know it's cool in the morning and then to have a shower every morning like I, I can just imagine people listening to this podcast mm -hmm. who've been to the festival be like like gritting their teeth at this point but I did I was able to have a shower every morning and uh, yeah I mean it was amazing but uh it was just me and Ben and therefore, you know, all of our friends were still camped in big ground. Like we, we went and helped them on the Wednesday morning. Like we helped them get set up. We met them at the gate all at right, nice. eight in the morning and then helped them carry their stuff up and help them get set up. But yeah, it, it, there is, there is something about, you know, I've talked in previous podcasts about, you know, when you wake up and crawl out of your tent and everybody sort of sits around in the middle and, you know, somebody passes you like an, an orange juice carton yeah, yeah, and yeah. something and you know and you talk about the night before and I don't know there is something about that sort of camaraderie of like the morning at Glastonbury you know which we we didn't get because uh, it's just you know it's just me and Ben in the camp van we we got ready you know slowly had some breakfast and then got up and got out and waited for our friends to come and join us so I, I did miss that a bit but would I would I change it <laughs> probably not <laughs> um, you know I obviously I love my friends but now the signal is so much better. Like if it was old Glastonbury's, 
I think I would consider camping back with them because it used to be so difficult to find people. If yeah, you, yeah. if you didn't wake up next to them and say, right, let's leave the campsite together, it was almost impossible to find people. Whereas now the signal's so good, we we always manage to find them. Yeah. So so yeah, it was it was fantastic, and I'm hoping we can do the same next year. That is the plan. So basically, it was kind of being a Worryville, but being in the middle of the festival instead of a little bit further away. <laughs> yeah, and this is the thing, like, I've got a, I've got a smile on my face, but I'm almost, like, grimacing because I know that people are going to be like, you jammy git. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. <laughs> Because, you know, the thing is, if you, if you want the luxury of the camper van, the downside is you have to be in the camper van fields, which is far away, right? Which is why I've never done it before. I've always done a tent because I want to be in the middle of the action and that's the sacrifice I make. So the fact that I've managed to have best of both worlds this year and have the addition of showers without a queue in the morning, do you know what I mean? Like I yeah. I I understand my lucky no is it luck i don't i understand my privilege basically <laughs> i know it was amazing so i realize i've just been talking for ages and yeah. again my experience is not the normal experience of glastonbury i realized that this year that i had to but that, that's a, that's, a that's why we, want, we wanted to hear we wanted to hear okay okay but let's hear about <laughs> you how was your glastonbury how did as in like you know your arrival and stuff yeah. so what happened how was the coach and stuff yeah, so here's the thing. I think it's the it's the earliest I left London uh, for Glastonbury because usually uh, I always end up going a little bit later because someone wants to go and I rather stay together. But this year everyone was on it and convinced that let's go, let's go and let's get there as early as we can. <laughs> so and uh, we left London at two a.m. Uh, so basically. Usually it takes four hours and a half. Some years it took five, maybe. But uh, I think it was guaranteed that we would get there before the, even the gates open. So that would be a first for me. But then, uh, as I mentioned before, of course, this year we start having some concerns because of the train strikes. And uh, no one knew what was going to happen, right? Because uh, some people who were planning to go by train, train started to get cancelled. Uh, so what does it mean? It means that we're going to have more traffic and maybe it's going to take ages or mm-hmm. people are going to get later to the farm or people are going earlier. You know, it was, uh, there was a, this added doubt I start getting concerned, and of course, as as we do with our group, we start telling them, "You, you guys gotta good, have to be on it. Make sure you get that in time. We're not gonna wait for anyone." <laughs> <laughs> so I kind of everyone's everyone got a little panic, let's say. Uh, but then, to my surprise, it, it was all for nothing because there was literally zero traffic. So I was mostly awake the whole journey, and I, I was like. The bus, the bus is just going that we didn't stop, didn't stop at all. And I think from the time we left London Victoria to leaving the bus there, it, it was three hours and 40 minutes, something I never seen, which is basically just the time for a regular journey in any given day when you don't have thousands of people they're supposed to be going to, to the farm. So it, it was, that was a surprise. And we joined the queue from the coach on gate A. And again, I, I thought uh, we would see a long queue in front of us, but we were really close to the gate, really, really close to the gate. There wasn't that many people in front of us. What, what time did you get to the gate, Miguel? Like, So, yeah, so we left at two, or maybe we left a little bit later, but let's say we left half two, three hours and a half, three left so around six, maybe, six in the morning. Six, nice, nice. But still, I thought we're going to join the queue a little bit further away from the gate. Uh, but no, we were just right there. That's the moment I start, sort of start checking Twitter, people, how, what they are saying about their journey. 
And that's when I started seeing a lot of people talking about massive, massive queues on gate deep. They're saying they're closing and moving people to the other gate. And then I'm there like I couldn't, because there was, I was there with a little curve on the gate. I couldn't see anything. So I couldn't see how long the queue got behind me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but I was just following people's update and it was so different from my experience. So maybe we just left at the right time. And I don't know, because people plan, have to change plans last minute. People are arriving later. I, I don't know. But our experience was really, really easy. Uh, so we were just waiting for the gates to open. Usually Michael is at gate A and he was there when we opened, but, uh, we didn't really see. I think he talks usually with the television, you know, BBC mm-hmm. gives some, gives some words. By the time we actually start walking and go through the gates, I, we just saw him leaving. <laughs> we kind of, we're just <laughs> waiting. Back Michael! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, uh, Rob, uh, was right on the queue because he does the overnight queuing and I asked him to send me a pain. He always camp at park on ground. And I always try to get to park, park on ground, but I end up usually at dairy ground or mm-hmm. Payne's ground because previous year I would arrive a little bit later. And, but this year we had the choice, you know, so Rob sent me a pin, uh, uh, location pin, and I was trying to get to him. And at one point I was so, cl- you know, when you're so close, but you still <laughs> you walk around <laughs> and you cannot find the person. And then, of course, there's already a lot of people opening tents and stuff. Uh, oh, let's just stay here which is was already a great great location so you know close to the co-op close to the railway track Amazing. and then close to rob because i went to find him after which was really nice to see him and know that i'm this close to him but rob's location was mental because he was literally by the fence where he starts the arcade field wow so in a way i was i was almost happy uh, I couldn't <laughs> find, find him, him when he's yeah. time location because we were a little, you know, I want to be close to the action, but not that close. So I think we, <laughs> when you, when you're close to the, uh, railway track, it just takes you quickly to many of my favorite areas. So yeah, in a, in a way, it was also slightly different from other years because I finally got to the point where I wanted to be, even though go, <laughs> and other than that, speaking how it was, it, it felt everything was going too easy. Uh, this was also going to be my biggest group ever at Glastonbury, but everyone was arriving different times. Uh, a big chunk arrived together with me, but there was uh, many other groups, uh, arriving later. And, and then suddenly everyone was arriving, actually finding us and joining our campsite. So uh, like, what's happening? I would go for a walk on Wednesday or to, to do something. I would come back. The other group arrived and, there was a spot next to us and we were all together. So Wednesday went really smooth. This Everything year. fell into yeah. place. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> In a time where, as you say, I was so excited because we waited so long, but then I start sort of getting a little bit panicky because of the rail strikes and everything like that. And then suddenly everything was just going in a breeze. It was fantastic. Brilliant. Smooth as butter. Love it. How was the rest of your Wednesday then? I was going to try you the same question. Uh, <laughs> did the usual. I mean, I tried to take a nap, but Wednesday and Thursday was quite hot, right? Mm-hmm. If I remember correctly. And we, yeah, we did what we usually do, which is the, the opening ceremony. I tried to get there later than usual because it's quite a slow ceremony, you know? <laughs> they take their time with the whole ritual, but I find it always amazing. And, and it kind of, it is a build up. I always say it sets you off and puts in the mood of the festival, you know, that is, is already, there's a, parts of the ceremony where they have like a shared moment you know where everyone does the um you know they they say everyone turns around let's send good vibrations that is it kind of brings you into the, that mood of the festival and what's to yeah. come but yeah it can be a little bit slow and and i must say i think 
I never been this sober as I was this year at the opening ceremony, and I must ask you, the fireworks are, are always that intense because I was quite close to the where it happened, and when they finally released the the fireworks, it it went for a long time. <laughs> yeah, uh, I was gonna say, like, if you were close enough to hear them do the you know the om kind of thing, we were quite a bit further back where there was quite a lot of space, and I think it's because there was quite a big group of us. We were. You know, not like super smashed, but we definitely were enjoying drinking. So, yeah, we had that moment of like, has it started yet? Is anything happening? What's going on? You know, when you're sort of yeah, yeah, yeah. back kind of thing. But I agree. The fireworks this year, like I, I swear they went on for like 20, 25 minutes. It was just like <laughs> pew, 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 pew. Constant. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and they all felt really close as well. And we were quite a bit further back than you. So. <laughs> Because I mentioned that because also here's the thing. I think we touched on this uh, on the episode. With, was it with Captain or Beans on Toast? I don't know. Because uh, something happened before the festival that they have the official lineup page. And, and there's a few things that happened on Wednesday. And then suddenly everything was removed. But all the word going around uh, the community is that everything will still happen. But they could announce for whatever reason. I didn't know when it was licensed or whatever. I did went around the festival in the afternoon, including to see Beans on Toast, because his first uh, performance was going to be at the bandstand. band stage. The yeah. bandstand. Yeah, the bandstand. And, and I think it was going to be the first thing I was going to see in terms of performance. And when he got on up on the bandstand, he started talking, sort of touching on that. Uh, he said, oh, apologies, because this is actually the only thing I'm allowed to have. And he only had like this really small speaker. Oh. And then, like, maybe think, okay, so something actually is going on. Not only they remove the lineup, but it feels like I don't know if there's a limit on sound and things like that. So I must say that kind of affected that moment at the bandstand, which was a shame. But then when it got to the opening ceremony and we had that fireworks that was <laughs> so intense, I thought, okay, maybe maybe it's normal now. Maybe it was only the afternoon was the issue. However, walking around on site after the ceremony, and as I say, I really like it because it sets you off. Like, oh, there you go. Enjoy the festival. Then you go explore. But walking around, I feel like it was still sort of happening. I feel like the a few performances that we had uh, later on Wednesday was the volume still felt like it was a bit lower than usual and I don't know if you notice anything well I mean our Wednesday was it was a bit different like we we like helped our friends arrive as I said and then you know got their tents you know like quick grab the spot help get the tents up as quickly as possible then they had to do a couple of runs to the car so because of the heat we just went and sort of chilled back down by uh you know in the Greenpeace crew field but then in the afternoon once uh, you know all of our mates had all sort of settled in and we're ready to go we did our usual tradition of basically sitting uh in the West Holtz field this time actually we sat, sat at the West Holtz bar rather than the brothers bar um, because of the frozen margaritas, because of the <laughs> heat. Um, and we basically sat there for probably three, four hours and just kept going to the bar and drinking them dry of frozen margaritas. We managed to get like a little patch of shade and we all sat down and just catching up and, you know, doing all that loveliness. So that was all kind of like normal. And then, yeah, we all got ready for the opening ceremony went up together so I, I I was supposed to go and see Beans on Toast and then I was just having such a nice time that I thought well I'll see him another time uh, as in another day of the festival and then after the opening ceremony a bunch of us as you say I think because of the rail strikes and everything so many more people arrived on the Wednesday than usually do mm -hmm. like I think a lot of people usually just rock up on the Thursday or the Friday but I think because the Thursday was going to be a rail strike day everyone was like right well we either go Wednesday or Friday so everybody went Wednesday and then 
yeah, when we went to Southeast Corner, it was super busy. I mean, which we were expecting, but we managed to get into um, NYC Downlow. I, I mean, I'll tell the story, but <laughs> basically, three of our friends like missioned it down there, uh, or four of them, and me and a few others were like, yeah, 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 we're coming, but you know, we'll see you down there. We'll be there in a bit. Like, we stopped to get a drink and stuff. And then when we arrived and saw the queue, we were like, oh my god, we've made a mistake here. Like, we should have gone with we should have gone with the others and got there quickly. But the others it turned out so what had happened to them is they'd got in the queue there was a massive queue and they got there as well and they got in the queue and they'd sort of you know been in the queue for about 10-15 minutes and then inter- one of my friends Louisa I love her she she just is is very well she's the person you need in a situation like this basically one of the dancers who was out the front you know they sort of dance on the on the um stage at the front didn't they she sort of you know locked eyes with him and like just you know, he was like how you doing and she just got chatting he was like don't worry it won't be long and then louisa being the ballsy girl that she is she went <laughs> she said to the dancers she was like you know what I think it's totally unfair because me and my friends here, like we're queer and this is the only queer venue on site and we have to queue and there are all these like non-queer people in the queue. <laughs> like surely if you're, if you're queer or LGBTQ, like you should, we should be prioritized. And she was obviously just being ballsy and some, somewhat joking, but the dancer was like, oh my God, I totally agree. <laughs> and like basically dragged her up on the stage with our three friends and, All right. and took them to the front of the queue and said, these are my friends and let them in. So they managed to skip the queue. And then, yeah, in NYC Downlow, it was actually like pretty loud in there. But maybe it's because it's got, you know, four walls and it's oh, yeah, yeah, you know, more yeah. of a structure. But it was very sweaty in there, as always. Um, but it was really, really good. We had a really, really good time. Stayed in there till only probably about 2 a.m. I say only, but like, you know, mm. we we'd, we'd had a long day and we thought, you know, let's let's save ourselves for the next day. So, but yeah, it was good. Maybe I'm getting ahead of myself here, but uh, I did mention as well that I wanted to try to do some things like Glastonbury, which I never did, which mostly things that involve queuing, <laughs> such as NYC down low. So uh, at one point during the weekend, I did make the effort to queue and wait. And my first feeling as soon as I got inside, it was like, oh, I think I've been here before. <laughs> oh, no. But I'm not entirely yeah. sure. This looks familiar. Hold so on maybe, a minute. I've been here yeah, before. <laughs> uh, I've probably been when I was in a different state of mind. So there's a memory there somewhere. But uh, but, but it still it was good to do it again and, and know for sure. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, at least you definitely know this time. <laughs> uh, Jesse, you did mention uh, maybe it was one thing that we should talk about a little bit. You mentioned how maybe uh, due to the strikes, maybe way more people arrive uh, Wednesday and Thursday. Then later throughout the festival, I, I mean, that's the question if, if the festival was overcrowded this year. I know it's something that I really, I only start thinking about it when Friday arrived and like many, many people in the festival, I thought I could just go and see wet leg at the park. <laughs> uh, but of course, uh, that didn't work. Uh, that, that didn't go very well. It was super crowded and not in a way I've been to sort of TBA performances at the park, the, uh, that, you know, those one that is secret, but at, at one point everyone knows it's going to happen. And, and usually you get there and even if it's crowded, you can make your way and maybe sit down on the hill to watch it, or you can go across the crowd from the top and come down from the other side of the stage and find a good spot. That, that really wasn't working <laughs> for, for wet lag. And even if you get, when I, I tried to make my way through the crowd, which was terrible already, I was, 
thinking of giving up many, many times. But knowing from past experience, at one point it's going to open up and it's still going to be enjoyable. I kind of made my way to try to get to the top, but it's just, I wouldn't never find an opening or mm-hmm. somewhere that it would work. And even when it did, it was just too far away. And the park, maybe that's some setups they need to change that the sound really does. If you just watch it from far away, it's not really enjoyable, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're that far. And that's when I started start thinking, like, is this, is this, is this festival busier than usual? And maybe in hindsight, that is something that was in my mind on Wednesday and Thursday in my subconscious, because I also remember on Friday thinking, usually my feeling is I have done so much in the two days and that the festival is only fully starting now. This year, I realized I was like, oh, it's, it's going too fast. I'm, I, there's stuff I haven't done yet. And maybe it's because of the crowding. So what were your feelings on that? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Um, I've got to say, I was definitely one of those people who got home and like, I, I actually, wrote a blog about this and then was like no yeah. I'm not going to post it I don't want to be too negative but I ended up putting it as an as an e-fest thread because I was like I've written it out now I need to post it somewhere but um you know there's a few things like firstly obviously uh, Ben my boyfriend did say to me he was like when you're on site before people arrive and then suddenly there's so many like you know tens hundreds of thousands of people the difference like your brain can't really comprehend like I was just walking down this place yesterday and now it's super busy so the difference really makes the impact of people feel worse rather than when you arrive at the same time as everyone else so Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so I got to bear that in mind but I definitely agree with you in that um I there were so many decisions I made this year because Even like walking down normal pathways at like 11 a.m. or like 1.30 p.m. when normally things are pretty chill in the festival. Even just walking down like the market streets or like, you know, a path round by BBC Introducing or whatever. It was literally like shoulder to shoulder, side to side on the path. And it took forever to walk anywhere. You couldn't just walk at a normal pace because there was just too many people everywhere. And like, you know, I've... Everybody say like, oh, it used to be like that, blah, blah, blah. I've I've been uh, a busy, you know, if, if you're watching an other stage headliner and then afterwards it finishes and you're going to go up to Arcadia and you're within mm-hmm. that crowd and you're walking like a penguin, like I've been there before. Like I, I know what that feels yeah. like, but it really did feel like absolutely everywhere was heaving all the time and wet leg I was the same I was really hungover on the Friday and I forced myself to get up I was like I have to see wet leg and we left at 12 30 from Greenpeace and they weren't on till two and I think we got to the bottom of the park field at um at one so like an hour before they started and I first noticed like you know that row of um food places along the top of I think it's park home ground but you know uh, at the bottom of the park and the corner of Arcadia there's like a row of food places yeah yeah. every single one of those food places had a queue that must have been minimum 40 people long um i know it was lunchtime but yeah it was each every single one had this long snaking queue to the point where people had to ask like which queue are you in because the queue was like you know 30 meters from the actual um the end of the queue was like 30 meters from the actual food place you wanted to get to and then yeah we walked up through the park and it was just so difficult even an hour before they started, we managed to get a spot sort of back left of the um, uh, sound desk, but we couldn't really see the stage because the sound desk was sort of in the way. Like if we stood on tippy tippy toes and looked round, we could just about see the see the, the actual stage. But we waited and waited. And I was so hungover, and people were just cr- literally 
so like I, I it was almost like the only space I had was the size of my feet like my shoulders and stuff were too busy too big and then it, we ended up they started and we watched like 15 minutes and I was like I, I can't even hear them even from here I know the park stage when the wind's blowing the wrong way it's awful but I was just like I'm gonna have to give up um and yeah, then yeah. that you know I, I'd felt it the night before on the Thursday actually and I know that the Thursday there's less venues open and as we said like more people had turned up early but it was really uh, there was a moment where I had to like go back to the Greenpeace crew bar because I was like I just need to get out of this crowd we went from the glade and we tried to go up and along the railway to get to Greenpeace and you know that crossing at the glade that goes down towards the corner of the camping field you know that sort of bit like Mm -hmm. up and over the railway at the glade um it was just I wish I'd taken a video like it was people like trying to go in all different directions and just squished so there was already... these junctions, right? This, uh, I, yeah. I was gonna because I was gonna say other than than uh, wet lag, the second moment when I really I start thinking because okay, wet lag got really big uh, before the festival or uh, that year, and maybe they should have put them on another mm-hmm. different spot. So maybe it was the best decision, but but they didn't change. Or anyway, that's you can talk about that. Uh, but then I think by the second when I start really thinking, okay, what's going on? It was exactly something similar that you just said. I was coming on the wayway track, and I was gonna go on the juncture that goes down on West Coast and that was the moment that a lot of uh, everyone is talking about as well which is when TLC was yeah, there TLC, <laughs> and yeah, I was yeah. walking nicely uh, on the railway and then I, w- I was gonna turn to go down and then like I actually I think I gasped gasped out loud because yeah. like what the hell is this What's yeah <laughs> uh, so uh, so something was really different but when we came back and we saw that discussion started about that online then like okay so it's not just us individually mm-hmm. that was bigger group of people who are sharing the same feelings yeah and, and like you know I'm, I'm gonna preface this with everything I'm about to say is well okay I'll say one absolute fact to start with and the fact is the festival did increase the number of tickets by three percent so i think it was there was a total of 210,000 people on site when yeah the license previously had been 203,000 or something like that it was about 7,000 more people ish right so that they took we knew that beforehand and but Mm -hmm. for me the crowding was so much more than that it wasn't just a few extras and there's a few things here so firstly i think it was good weather so and and people were so excited to be there that they left their tents um you know, earlier than normal. There wasn't like people hanging out at the tent so much. So so that's another probable fact. Here on in is just proper hearsay. And I'm not going to dwell on it for too long because this is just little tidbits that I heard and, you know, musings that I've had since. But the, I know that the staff turnover on site because of COVID, because COVID was still a thing, people were out on site saying like, you know, if you got COVID while it, during the build, you had to leave. It was like a, if you tested positive, it was right. You've got to go. And then they had to get people in really last minute, like pulled them in. You know, that so that meant the sort of staff turnover was quite big, like even in the days running up to the festival and even when the festival was was working. So, I mean, we spoke to a security guy, I think on like the Saturday. And we were like, you having a good time, mate? And he was like, yeah, it's my first time here. And I was like, oh, yeah. How are you feeling about it? He was like oh, well, you know, I only just got here. And I was like, what? And he said he'd, he'd had a phone call in the morning. He'd never worked at Glastonbury before and was asked to come down from London like that morning yeah, yeah. on the Saturday morning because he had to replace someone. So the reason I bring that up is that it wasn't... Glastonbury usually has the same load of staff and the same load of volunteers 
who love it so much. They do it every year. Obviously, there's contractors and stuff that always come in and yada, yada. But but in general, it's the, it's returning staff, right? But they had to replace them with new staff that had never done it before, et cetera, et cetera. And there were loads of rumours going around through crew as well. You know, I'm not going to name names, but I was talking to lots of people in different areas of the festival as well, not just not just mine. And they all said, yeah, there are, there's definitely like thousands more people on site. And they think it was because of, you know, people. It was the hottest ticket in the world, right? <laughs> Everybody wanted to be at Glastonbury. I, I, you know, all of this is me totally fantasizing so you know like none of this is based on anything but for me it felt like and the rumors going around crew were that it were true that there were tens of thousands of extra people there is all i'm gonna say how they got there i don't know but 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 even as you say even going by official numbers it was supposed to be the most crowded assembly ever but maybe a perfect, not perfect storm. But in that case, is a, yeah, a, yeah, a terrible storm. A terrible strike. storm happened that yeah. was post-COVID, and as you say, affected the experienced staff that couldn't maybe come or people who moved on during the pandemic. Really, mm-hmm. uh, no one was used to crowds, so maybe we were just feeling different. Yeah, but yeah, also, yeah, maybe makes too. sense. So I think it's a combination of all these many elements that give this situation where some people really didn't see it and they enjoyed. But but as you say. So, uh, I saw a lot of people talking on comments uh, on forums that oh, you you should know that uh, you, if you, there's ways around it if you if you eat at different times or if you, yeah, if yeah. you walk a little bit further instead of joining the queue to the toilet there's a queue just there but we kind of I feel like we know I how used, to navigate yeah, this and and even that for me wasn't working so and and it really hindered my experience where I was having to change my plans and I don't really make that many plans mm-hmm. but in the sense that like if I'm watching something at the other stage and I uh, initially when I was doing my clash finder before leaving for the festival I had something I wanted to go see a uh, jump hill I like you know what this band is playing next we are here on the stage let's just stay where we are so I felt my I felt like I was uh, kind of doing some compromises uh, and maybe it's my own mistake. Maybe I should have just pushed it through, and it would have worked. And you mentioned that was like food for the the amount of queuing for food. So even that, after I came back from the festival and I start seeing other people talk about it, I did realize that I think I had more, let's say, fast food than usual this year. I was because I was just going to places where maybe had less queue or the queue was moving faster. Or uh, because again, I don't like to queue at Glastonbury, and it felt it was the first time I was queuing for things like food and toilets more than ever and uh, having to do compromises and and at one point it worked out quite well because maybe I, w- I would end up seeing an artist that I wasn't planning and you always have the surprises right when the plan has to change at Glastonbury but it did feel this time that if it, I wasn't feeling that great at the festival I realized later thinking about the whole experience because I, I feel like I was having to do compromises more than ever yeah and you know I think you know, we we need to go back to talking about what we did, what we got up to. But one thing I completely agree with is that, um, and and sort of leads on to that is that, you know, I always talk about how I normally spend quite a lot of time at the pyramid stage, right? Like I know it's because yeah. I'm camped in big ground, but I only saw Diana Ross at the pyramid stage this year, um, and even then we couldn't really get a good spot or view. Like uh, we turned up sort of. 20 minutes before her which I know is not long enough but we still managed to enjoy it and get somewhat of a good view but there were a number of times that I was supposed to go to the pyramid stage and meet up with friends but because of my experience of the crowds and 
you know, I was only at West Holtz, which isn't exactly that far. Um, I saw loads of stuff on West Holtz because it was so close to my camper van, but I wasn't planning on going to those things. But it was kind of those, you know, and, and as you say, we weren't making the decisions like 10 minutes before a set was supposed to start. Like, you know, I'm sure, it, well, I know that in Glastonbury 2017 and 2019, there were a number of times where I just went, you know what, I'm just going to nip over to this stage for, mm-hmm. and I would like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay, I'd have to go through a crowd, but it wasn't impossible. You just walked through a crowd and you just had to wiggle around a bit and then you could get to the other, whatever stage you were going to, slightly longer than than normal. But but this time it was like, if you are going, you need to go at least an hour before uh, to even get a chance at having a semi-good spot. And I'm not talking like front row, I'm talking like being able to see the stage and like having a speaker that's sort of semi-facing you. So you know, I was going to go and see Paul McCartney, but we didn't. We ended up going into, we made our choices based on the fact that we didn't want to, you know, get stuck or queue. So uh, on the Paul McCartney night, we went into the Southeast corner at like 9pm and it was dead. There was like not a single soul about, but we had a really nice drink at a bar. And then we went into the temple as soon as it opened. And then we did like six hours of drum and bass in the temple because... (laughs) We got in and we just stayed in one place because we thought it's yeah, much yeah. easier than moving around. Um, yeah. We were, I was supposed to see um, uh, Kendrick on Sunday as well and lots of my friends were going. But when we text them, they said they were quite far forward. And again, it was only an hour before they were going to start. And in the end, like a group, a sort of separate group of us, not just me and Ben, there was a few of us. But we went, you know what, actually, let's see Bicep because then we're close to the southeast corner yeah. afterwards anyway. So we ended up staying at West Holtz for Bicep. So, yeah, it was like I had such a good Glastonbury. And I think I want to finish this talk about crowding with that because I honestly had an amazing time. And I, I think it was probably my second best Glastonbury. Still, nothing's okay. touching yeah. 2013 quite <laughs> even with the showers and stuff I think 2013 still still beats it but I still had such an amazing time but we would you know we always talk about don't plan too much at Glastonbury and you know just pick this, this that and the other but this year it was like decisions were made for me yeah, based yeah, on exactly. where I was you know what the crowd was like where I was what mm-hmm. I was planning to do you know what I was planning to do like four or five hours later not not you know, what am I doing an hour from now? It was like, okay, well, in four hours time, I need to be in the southeast corner. So I can't go to Dance Village, uh, sorry, Silver Haze, because that's, yeah, the, you yeah. know, I need to be in the vicinity of southeast corner because exactly. otherwise I won't, you know. So that was the only thing. Like there were, you know, wet leg, I really want to see. I missed them. Um, I didn't see a period stage headliner, which is the first time that's ever happened. I guess if you count Diana Ross as that she's a you know legend slot, it's not really. It's the sort of fourth headliner, isn't it? <laughs> I didn't see one of the main you know. Usually, it's been actually biggest crowd has been the legend slots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Crowd. Very, very, very <laughs> true. I made a mistake there. But um, but that that thing that you said that you were sort of standing always in the same vicinity. That's what when I was looking back, that's I realized I ended up doing it maybe. Uh, subconsciously, or as you say, decisions were being made for me. So I realized I have a, I barely was at the Williams Green. I honestly love the Crow's Nest and I barely was there as well mm-hmm. this year. And uh, Jumpy, I don't think I've seen a gig there this year, which is also never heard of. And 
uh, uh, I do put a lot of weight on that on myself. Looking back, I mean, that, I think <laughs> yeah. that's all. This, that's all these issues that we are discussing. But also, again, I went to this year with a conscious decision of trying to take it slow. Mm-hmm. And what happened is, I didn't realize that that meant I was going to do less things. I, I, I think I could take it slow and still do everything I used to do. But that, <laughs> no, that, that, no, that's no, not no. how it worked. That's right? not the same. <laughs> so, yeah. So part of me, like maybe I should have tried more and push it through. But I was kind of also. So there's also all these external fact, external factors of what was happening there in terms of crowd, but also maybe it's part of me. I, I decided to, you know, I'm yeah, fine yeah, yeah. staying here. Oh yeah, but I could look, have made it work if I really yeah, pushed. But when I just... came back, yeah, but coming back, maybe I, I regret a bit of a bit of that. Maybe that was a way I could have just pushed it. But also, we do need to touch on this. Like something was different this year. So yeah, yeah even yeah. though even though uh, a lot of people say, oh, people were saying the same in the '90s or in the '80s. But for a fact, the festival has been growing every year, mm-hmm. and and so at one point it starts to maybe you know becomes true and maybe something that you need to think about. And the other thing we I definitely noticed this year because we were talking about. You have, if you want to go to Shangri-La, the temple, you have to plan hours ahead. Uh, the, the after hours is, uh, definitely has slowly becoming a festival in itself. Like, it's not like a secret or something that a few of us do. More and more you have people staying awake until the early hours. And if you don't have the pyramid stage to take a massive part of the crowd, it's, it's every year more and more people decide to stay awake at Glastonbury and, and go around looking for experiences and wanted to you know do things definitely is going to start to get complicated and i feel like uh something i noticed this year which i don't know if it's part of the fact the festival went through two forced cancellations so maybe there's some budget constraints or as you say because of uh, new staff or performers that move on i feel like the after hours they the the setup of the stages and the areas were made in a way that was to accommodate more people, so everything yeah, sort of it's becoming more big stages, what, isn't it? It's, yeah, bigger it's stages, bigger things. areas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I feel like Shangri-La and uh, even Arcade. If you look at videos back from uh, the Arcade Spider, they used to have. I mean, they didn't have the metamorphosis, but maybe as well a different thing that happened because of cancellations. Arcadia maybe have to come and do the Spider last minute. We don't know exactly, but Shangri-La used to have maybe more smaller venues, little yeah. doors that you go through, and uh, even some sort of uh, walkabout performers, or there was a narrative that was uh, something more immersive. And I, uh, or the guest hour stage it started like a whole 360 immersive experience and now it kind of it feels like it still had a little bit of that how it started but it, they had to make more space for people which i don't know if it has to do with the cancellations and budgets or if it's a conscious decision that they know they need to have more space in the after hours and this is where the festival is moving forward so that I, yeah. I did came back with a few doubts on that as well that I, I, I think definitely this year like i think they were probably worried about small venues and covid like people being worried about no, being in that, a small yeah that's also maybe that so, yeah, of course. So maybe like, I'm crossing my fingers it will turn around. And and that was what I was going to say next is that I, I really think like this year, I'm hoping this year was an anomaly with all these extra people. I think, yeah. you know, there was, you know, all these things that account for it. But I think as we set, settle back into a rhythm, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I'm hoping it will it will be better again. But this is a year after a long pause. And as we talk about it at the start of the episode, we still not entirely sure the extent of how we affect how people at, uh, go to festival or how we affect the festival itself so maybe this is like a transition year where finding the bearings again so uh yeah. it, it, it was all around 
I mean, I was reading stories of this festival had these issues, the other festival had the issues, etc. And it's, I mean, it's understandable. But, but yeah, let's see. What I was going to say, like, I think that there's uh, there's more events, there's more festivals, as I said at the beginning. Yes, yeah. loads more, and there just aren't enough contractors you know you need different yeah, yeah. you need security companies you need um somebody to put in the electricity somebody to put up the fence somebody to manage um where all the electricity points are the lighting the, the actual infrastructure of a festival is huge and there's so many festivals now and lots of companies did have to fold during covid and yeah, yeah, yeah. new ones are just starting up to try and take their place but they're not as experienced and so i think as you say i think you said it was a perfect storm but let's say it was a storm in a teacup i think everything yeah, yeah. kind of sort of came together and everybody wanted to go back at a hundred percent this year you know nothing you know covid what's that like n- nothing ever happened a hundred percent and it just was nobody was quite ready yet yeah, so yeah, yeah. i'm hoping that next year it won't be the same and it will it, you know it will go back to you know i'm not i'm not saying let's go back to glastonbury 10 years ago or anything but like i'm still fine with the higher numbers but something was was wrong this year something didn't happen um um but you know yeah but i mean as you say you still is one of your favorite customers ever and oh, many yeah. many people have best experience ever but all right enough about that let's talk about the rest of the weekend uh of means term of music uh let's let, there's no point to go day by day now but if you have any favorite sets you want to highlight from the weekend Okay, favorite sets. Uh, well, yeah, that bicep set that we ended up going to on the Sunday night, I realised these are not going to be in order, as you say, maybe not in day. Yeah. <laughs> um, bicep were incredible. The light show was oh mesmerising. You know, they had the kind of smoke over the crowd and then like the rainbow lasers sort of weaving through it. And oh, it was it was like genuinely beautiful. Um, I took a few photos, but obviously nothing does it justice. But it was amazing. And it obviously just, you know, they are masters of matching the light show to the music. Uh-huh. And it was just, yeah, I, I it was a choice that I had to make, but I was very glad I made. <laughs> like actually watching Kendrick's setback. I mean, it was cool and I would have enjoyed it, but I'm, I'm glad I went to Bicep. They were fantastic. So um, let me think. I did, I did find you at Sunset, so I can help you there. I, I found oh, yeah, you yeah, at yeah. Ar- yeah, John Hopkins at Arcadia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was another that, that one was I was going to mention with yeah. the sort of crowds is that we we went to, we've got a couple of friends who are like mega John Hopkins fans. Like, I, oh, yeah, know, same, I same in my group. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, so that, that was like an absolute must-see for quite a large portion of our group. So again, we didn't see... Billie Eilish or whoever was on the other stage, I can't remember. We just went straight to Arcadia at about 9.30. And yeah, we got a spot right under the leg of the spider because it wasn't, you know, there was no music when we got there. We just came in and got our space and went, right, we're here. And then, yeah, we stayed for like four, well, I managed about four hours. And yeah, John Hopkins was fantastic. And then afterwards, obviously it was supposed to be the Chemical Brothers and we'd all heard that they'd have to, had to cancel. So it was um, Bonobo and Groove Armada uh, I, I I was at Bonobo set at the West Holds early that day, so uh, I must say that I feel like Bonobo was almost uh, Chris Martin this year because, because yeah. he was just popping, popping, popping by on other people's sets or maybe doing covering up holes for who couldn't show up. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. oh, how? Is that Bonobo again? <laughs> yeah, I'd actually, I was at Bonobo in the, in the day, so I'd seen Bonobo twice in a day as well. All right, yeah. But yeah, that, that back-to-back was actually really super cool. I really enjoyed that. And John, John Hopkins yeah. was amazing. So that Arcadia night was really, really good. But um, at about, I think it was about two in the morning, I was like, I said to my boyfriend, I was like, I cannot hold a wee in any longer. And I was in a cat suit. So 
if I wasn't in a catsuit, if I was in like a, you know, top and skirt, I probably would have found a way to wee with a she-wee where I was. But <laughs> sorry, maybe too much information. But I, you know, we were by the spider leg. We'd been there for four hours. We were having a great time. And then I just said, I absolutely have to wee now. And um, boyfriend came with me and yeah, we just, we left the crowd. It took forever to leave. And then there was no way we could get back in. But that was fine. We still had a really good time and, and all was good. Um, What other sets were great? Oh, I saw, so... I had a really great time at Greenpeace again, classic on the Thursday. It, it wasn't quite the same like run of eight artists in a row that I loved, but I got to go in the Greenpeace tree when, oh my God, it's the church were DJing because I'm sort of friends with those guys now. Um, and also because Ben basically helped to build the tree and put the lights on the tree. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, everybody knew him. So it was kind of like, you know, we saw they were up there DJing and we were having a great time. And then we were both just like, should we, should we go in the tree? And he was like, yeah. So <laughs> it was super cool to like go in the tree up to the DJ booth and like look out at the crowd. We were just having a great dance up there with them. So that was a super special sort of moment for me was just to be... It was like, yeah, it was obviously, it's, you know, it's like you're DJing. I got to stand in front of the decks and be like, woo. <laughs> so that was cool. Um, yeah. And then like Diana Ross was fab. I saw Brass Against at West Holtz, which are like a brass band that cover people like um, Rage Against the Machine. And yeah, yeah, yeah. And, stuff like that. and oh, it was so good. Like re- that was like first thing on. It was like, a, I don't know, 11 a.m. Uh, on the West Holt stage. And it was wicked. I really, really enjoyed mm-hmm. that. And then, yeah, just saw some great DJs in Maceo's, which is the one of the crew, it's the Block Nine crew bar, including Artwork, who's like a mega fave of, well, Ben introduced me to him, but I love him now. He's a great like disco DJ. And then, yeah, but I guess the other one to mention is Beans on Toast at the Truth stage where I, I bumped yes, into you uh, again. Oh, yeah, I wanted to get to that one because I did mention that uh, Wednesday uh, it wasn't the best experience, but mm. not his fault. But whatever happened with he could only have a spe- uh, speaker. But then the following day, that day of contrasting experience, I think, if anything, it was one of my highlights because that was yeah, so good. such a good set, wasn't it? Yeah, especially because it was followed by Kate Tempest, so it's mm. the perfect combo and it's the perfect time. Uh, I, I was the, It was the last time I would see Beans on Toast uh, throughout the weekend, even though he said, right, that it was a prize up for grabs. Yeah. For, everyone. <laughs> for, for those who would be at every one of single of his performance to get a, some sort of stamp or loyalty card, he, he mentioned on, he mentioned on a podcast, and I don't know how you felt when he mentioned the podcast. It felt like he was coming up with the idea at the podcast. Yeah, he, I think he, he did, I think. I don't know if but he then, was prepared for that. But, but, you know. but he was telling that at every single gig, so he really went for that, or maybe he planned it all along. I don't know, but it was the joke of the weekend for him <laughs> but yeah. i actually but, was camped in the same field as beans on toast so yeah i bumped into him basically every day and yeah. it was quite funny because i i swear i always see him in person when i'm looking really worse for wear like <laughs> either it's three in the morning and my makeup and glitter is like smeared down my face and i'm like hi jay or it's like the morning and I'm shuffling to the shower in my pajamas, like clutching a towel or go, going to, you know, going to the loo in the morning. And I'm like, oh, morning. And he's like, you're right, love. <laughs> so, bless him. Speaking of previous guests, we did meet the thingy in person. Oh, we did. Yes, we did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. In person. We know what he looks like. We know who he yeah. is. <laughs> yeah, but the, the secret is safe with us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was really fun. That was, yeah, I did go to the Twisto meet, but not for very long. Um and then yeah, we bumped it. Yeah, it was it was good to meet him in person. 
Yeah, and you also mentioned, oh my God, it's a church, and we also we were both at the 5 a.m. concert or 6 a.m. Yeah, what yeah, time is that, that was another like I would say worst for wear moment. That was that was after I'd done six hours of drum and bass at the time. Oh, okay. <laughs> And, um, yeah, it was my my first time going to that gig, but I think you've been before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh no, I've done a few, I've done it a few times, even that five a.m. one. But me and my friend looked at each other and we're like, "Are we going to do it? Okay, let's do it. Let's go to church." And we like, obviously, it's light by five a.m. at this point in June. So like, we came out of the temple and we just like shuffled round to the true stage and we're like, "Right, come on, let's just do it." And I think we managed about half of the set, but it started raining and. We were both just like, should we just go? To yeah, that? yeah, it was. Yeah, there was a bit of rain. Well, you mentioned headliners. I, I wasn't too fussed about any of the headliners this year as well, but I do, and I think you, usually you always, you also always try to catch at least one. So I, this year I chose Paul McCartney because it was the safest, even though I appreciate Billie Eilish and Kendrick Lamar and understand they're very, very important artists on their own merit. I, I, if I'm going to see one, I just chose Paul McCartney because I think I would be not interested in the other ones. Because uh, uh, I, I tried to do that when Kanye West, like, oh, it's not my thing, but everyone's so crazy about it and it's very different. I, let, I want to see what's going to happen and I was there and I regret going. So, uh, let's go, Paul. Let's go see Paul because I know what to expect. So I went to see Paul McCartney as my, my headliner of choice. Mm. <laughs> the, the second half of the, con- the, the gig was fantastic. So no regrets there. Yeah, you uh, got to see uh, Dave Grohl, didn't you? Yeah, 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 of course, Dave Grohl and also Bruce Springsteen. So, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I mean, you have to give it to to Paul McCartney, right? At his age, he 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 was a, he was a fantastic gig. So, yeah, I'm, I'm glad I did that. But yeah, you're thinking, I think, but honestly, I'm, I'm putting beans on toast next to Paul McCartney as my highlights. Amazing, <laughs> I think he'll uh, appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, and suddenly the this run this run from John Hopkins to a Bonobo John Hopkins and then after Fortet at the park mm-hmm. uh, that was a strong strong run well, I saw I saw Fortet at Boomtown I, I missed him at Glastonbury but um, he was so good at Boomtown talking about how we had to do some compromise and maybe got some surprises I think because I wanted to see Bonobo and, and uh, I think that was I think that was on the day of the TLC event <laughs> I think I was passing by and then I saw what was happening so I decided to stay around and I saw the act that was playing before Bonobo which was Sean Cooty and that was a proper party so uh, hey. that was one of the things I didn't plan but uh, I'm glad it happened because it was really good and but then I think my biggest miss is really which is in that conversation where like, oh, if I go all the way through to get to John Peel, it's not going to happen. So my biggest misses were really self-esteem and Phoebe Bridgers, mm-hmm. uh, which I was really looking forward to see. And I just couldn't, but I went to check their, their set live after a set live, their set at the BBC live. Yeah. BBC I player. Oh my God. You, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you watched uh, it back. You watched it back. Yeah. I watched it back and I wish I, I, I wish I, I have gone there, but well, do you have anything? That it wasn't maybe in your must see that you you couldn't go or maybe something new from uh, captain recommendations maybe. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, I there was definitely I really wanted to see Black Midi and Ammo and the Sniffers um, based on Captain's re- recommendations and some listening I then did after he mentioned them, but both of them I missed. Um, you know, I never get to John Peel to be honest. So when I saw that Ammo and the Sniffers was on John Peel, I was be like, I'm gonna miss that. I know what I'm like. Um, and Black Midi, I think, was just bad timing. Um, but yeah, there, I, I think there was a couple I missed. But uh, I, I think I, I did do a lot of wandering around this year. Um, yeah, yeah. And I saw some great little DJs on on sort of little small things, um, which really enjoyed. Yeah, a place I, I found myself a lot this year. Uh, 
it was at the icon stage. Oh yeah. The hours. It kind of became a meeting point for the whole group to get together and try to enjoy a bit of the FT hours, which then of course, don't want to go back to the subject, but looking back, I think maybe it's because it was this open, wide field where yeah. we could meet and have some time together. Uh, maybe it's part of that, but I found myself going to the Icon a lot, but I did enjoy the first time that we had the Icon in 2018. I, I, I thought it was a, a stage I would be going more and more, and this year it proved that. Uh, uh, and also just going to the Greenpeace Rave Tree. Uh, that kind of happened a few times as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but definitely was a, this year was sleeping earlier than usual, except from Saturday when we, when we yeah. met at the, yeah, yeah. oh my God, the church. I didn't do that, the crazy after hours as we always talk about. I think we, mm-hmm. we are because it's the, it's the natural progression, maybe, Jess. Yeah, I'm the same. I think I went to bed at three most nights. Um, yeah. yeah. I think one night I went to bed a bit earlier than that, but. Yeah, it was either like three or that Saturday was sort of six and then the other time. Yeah, I, my my boyfriend tends to go to bed at sort of one to two. Uh, okay. that, yeah, he's, he's one of those. And he doesn't mind me staying up for an hour or so, so that's cool. And, and then the Saturday, I convinced him to stay out till 4.30, but he could not stay up for church. So <laughs> he went he went back to bed and I tried to stay up for a bit longer. But yeah, I think, I think you're right. But... Uh, I, I definitely did a bit more daytimes, like as in I was mm-hmm. up and ready to go. Yeah. I, like I was up and out of the field and away from my camper van or, or tent or whatever by midday, which there's definitely been some previous Glastonbury's where I haven't left the tent till like 4pm. So <laughs> I think I, you know, I was definitely better in that respect for sure. As always, we asked our listeners to contribute to our episode. So let's listen to a few stories from 2022 and hopes and expectations for next year's festival. Hi, my name's Paddy and Glastonbury 2022 was my fifth Glastonbury. So my group, uh, we try and go to the sign on the Wednesday evening usually because it's a nice view and there's usually a nice atmosphere up there. But um, this year is the first time we happened to be there when the sun was going down which was a beautiful sight, just seeing the sun going down over the hill and there's a really nice view up there. But everyone started cheering the sun going down. It was absolutely incredible and going to make sure we're back up there next year at the same time because that was genuinely a standout moment of the entire festival. Thank you. Hello, Glastocast. Uh, my name's Richard. I've been to Glastonbury uh, six times. I uh, love it, as we all do, I'm sure. Uh, my highlights for 2022, I would say Friday... Would have probably been first aid kit on the other stage. They were uh, they were really good, really uplifted. Great, great set. Uh, Saturday, I'll go with uh, Hack Baker again. The other stage, uh, first thing in the morning, amazing set, really, really good. And on a Sunday, uh, me and two good friends of mine, uh, Jojo and Dan, we grabbed something to eat in Williams Green, sat down by the bandstand, and caught uh, Mick Artistic there with uh, his show. Hysterically funny, really, really good. Definite highlight for us. Uh, for this year really really good um going forward next year uh headline i'd like to see maybe my chemical romance perhaps legend slot probably elton john i think and uh accident not played Mm, maybe harry styles i think it could be a big a bit fun so i'll go with that and thank you very much Hi, I'm Laura. I've been to Glastonbury five times so far. Hopefully we'll make it a six. Um, my favourite moment 
performance memory sort of thing of Blasphemy 2022 is Self-Esteem Secret Set um, at Greenpeace on the Saturday. Um, I'd already seen her be interviewed at Williams Green and play on the John Peel that day. So it was just a triple whammy of excellence, really. And it was such a great atmosphere, so relaxed. And it was amazing to see her bring such an amazing show to such a small stage. For next year, I'd be very surprised if Harry Styles wasn't headlining the Pyramid stage. My heart definitely says Taylor Swift, but my head says Harry Styles. For the Legends slot, I think it's about time that Blondie did it. I don't think they've been at the festival since 2014 when they played on the other stage. And they've got an album out next year and they are legends. So fingers crossed they'll get a chance to do it. For somebody that hasn't played before who's fairly new on the scene, I'm going to go with Baby Queen. She puts on a great show and she was really great at Neighbourhood Weekend in May. And she's just played with Olivia Rodriguez. I think she supported her on a UK tour. So I can imagine her putting a great show on. Fingers crossed. Hi, my name's Rob or Matekin. If you see me on uh, social media or uh, Discord or whatever. Um, uh, yeah, my uh, my Glastonbury moment of 2022. Um, the thing that strikes me is always seems to be on on the hill in the park. Uh, they always seem to have a, a special moment there. And this year at the, uh, the end of the festival, I went up um, with my partner, to watch the uh, the Lotus Burn thing, which was um, pretty cool, pretty fiery, and I think the whole point of the Lotus Burn was, you know, to kind of cathartically say goodbye to uh, the last two, three years, or whatever you've been going through. Essentially, um, I uh, I didn't have much to say goodbye to, but I just kind of wanted to kind of see the spectacle. But I remember watching it kind of halfway through the burn and turning round, and there was. Um, this uh, I don't know a girl in her like know, early twenties, late teens, and she was obviously uh, going through something. She was obviously very upset, and I, it just kind of struck me this this moment that you know I was kind of blasé about it, but you know there were people that, that were there to you know say goodbye to a loved one or you know forget <laughs> forget what they've been through over the last uh, few years, and um, yeah. It just really struck me. Uh, human emotion, hey, it's a, it's an amazing thing sometimes. So yeah, um, going up there and being communally emotional was a, a great experience. Thank you so much for everyone who contributed. We love hearing your stories at Glastonbury Festival. And if you want to be featuring the next episode, keep an eye on our socials to know what we're looking for, or even to send your own suggestions for future episodes. Thank you. And actually, just just before we you know close the door on talking about 2022, I did have a couple of other nice little things that happened over the weekend that you know little Glasto special moments. The first one was Ben's long-term friend who has worked at Greenpeace with him for many many years, and they've known each other for a few years before that as well. He and his girlfriend decided to do well decided to get married so they got engaged which was super cute and then they had a hand fasting ceremony on the Thursday at Glastonbury so up in the Greenpeace field so that was like I don't know it was just really like heartwarming you know it was really cute to see they're very like perfect for each other you know so there were loads of the sort of Greenpeace crew like all got together to watch them have their hand fasting ceremony and it was just very sweet so that was like a real sort of lovely moment and then the other one 
was I mentioned that we saw artwork and I mentioned that Ben really, really likes artwork. We actually tried to see him twice, but I, I can't remember. Exactly. I think the first time... Oh, yeah, the first time was NYC Download on the Friday night and he was the first on at 8pm. And we naively thought, oh, he's on first. Like, there won't be a queue at 8pm. And we went to get in the queue at... 20 past seven and it was mega already like people waiting for NYC download to open but anyway so we missed him then and then we tried to go and see him at Maceo's on Saturday morning at 11am of all times what a random time to play but we got there and he wasn't playing and um we looked at so in Maceo's they their lineup they it's literally a poster that they put up in Maceo's and then you can take a picture of it and say right okay I know what's going on and when we looked at the lineup poster for Maceo's they'd actually just reprinted another one and stuck it over the top and artworks set time had completely changed so we'd gone there to see him based on the information we had from Wednesday but that information then turned out to be wrong so we ended up seeing artwork actually managing to catch him was a Sunday right after Diana Ross. We like legged it over after Diana Ross to Maceo's because Ben was like, I have to, it's the last day I have to see artwork. And we got into Maceo's and there was nobody there. Like I, I hadn't seen it. I'd only been there like once or twice before that, that week, but it was literally, there was maybe like three other people in, in the bar. Obviously it was like prime time. The, the Sunday legend had just happened, you know. Maceo's, if you've not been in there, the dance floor is the back of a, articulated lorry well, sorry just a lorry so it's like a long thin dance floor uh, and the lorry's got its side open and then there's a dj at one end so we went in and we and we saw it was artwork and i said to ben i was like it's nobody on the dance floor he was like i don't care we're dancing and i was like all right fine <laughs> let's look, i'm in the mood let's go and yeah we had some drinks and we were dancing in there and then artwork like came and said hello and was like thank you for coming and he like took a took a video on my phone of us and stuff and then after his set he like came up to us and was like you know what all of my friends were supposed to come to this set and literally <laughs> none of them have come so I'm gonna have a beer with you guys if you don't mind and we were like my boyfriend was like starstruck he was like oh my god yeah fine so then yeah we sat in Maceo's after his set and had a beer with artwork for like an hour and he was just chatting away about his life and like yeah it, it sort of came up in the conversation that my boyfriend was a mega fan and had like yeah, yeah. you know they were talking <laughs> you know artwork was saying things like oh I you know did some some zoom sorry did some zooms over lockdown and ben was like oh yeah yeah i watched them <laughs> and, they, and you know they were talking about these things and like i don't know artwork was just so lovely and at one point when he realized my boyfriend was from uh somerset he was like oh i've got a present for you i've got a present for you i'll be back in a second i'll be back in a second and like off he ran uh, away from our table and we were like what on earth is he gonna get and we yeah, yeah. we thought maybe he was gonna get us some sort of mega wristband or something that was kind of the, <laughs> we were like oh my god is he gonna get us like a backstage pass for NYC download or something like that that was what we thought but he came running back out with this mischievous look on his face and put two cans on the table and they were cans of cider and they yeah. were like they had like proper labels on them that said like artwork cider and he'd he'd <laughs> He'd had these like thousand cans of cider made and like it was his own brand of cider or whatever. And he said there weren't very many of them. But when he found out my boyfriend was from Somerset and loved cider, he went and got him some. So it was like just really nice. Just a really That's nice amazing, dude, yeah. you know. We did talk about if performers maybe moved on to other things. So it looks like he's branching out as well. Well, yeah, he's obviously going into <laughs> cider production. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's a great story. Thanks for sharing. 
Okay, Jesse, so the ticket sale is almost here, but before we get to that, do you have any expectations for next year in terms of headliners maybe or legend slots or any new act you're looking to see play at the farm? Looking at the rumor mill, it feels like Taylor Swift is back because uh, she was supposed to play 2020. I feel like Arctic Monkeys is sort of like at the top mm-hmm. of what people are hoping is going to see. Styles as well. Harry Styles. Yep. The names that were already sort of we've been listening for during the the... The break we have at the festival. Elton John is a name that I think has always come back as well. But what do, what do you have in terms? Do you have anyone you want expect to see at the farm, or you want to see at the farm? Well, I saw Lady Gaga this summer do her Chromatica Ball tour, and it was like you know I'm not going to claim to be a pop princess or anything because I'm not really, but she was phenomenal. Like. I was in that crowd watching her perform in that stadium and I got like the whole like full body tingles because her voice is incredible. And obviously, you know, she does all the dancing and all that. And it's such a performance. But I had this feeling when I was watching her, like, you know, when you watch those old videos of like Freddie Mercury at Wembley or whatever, (laughs) and you and like you get those tingles and you go, oh, my God, this person is just you know, I'm alive okay. and I got to see this person at the same time. That's, you know, maybe I sound like a mad gushy fan, but she was so, so good. And all I was thinking while I was watching her was she would, like Beyonce's 2011 set, I think she would be absolutely iconic on the pyramid stage. And she only ever played, I think it was at 2011 or 2013 or something, on the other stage in the daytime. Like she hasn't, she hasn't played since. Um, and I know she's not high up on the rumor mill, but God, I would absolutely love to see that. And I think, you know, a solo female performer, she would be fantastic. Exactly. Uh, it's great that you mentioned that because I did put on my notes uh, because I was going to ask you, because I know that you were there at, the, at her <laughs> tour this year. So I was going to say, you know what, I wouldn't mind that because I've never seen. And it's, I think it's this type of act and performance that definitely even uh, it's not something I put on, on my playlist. I would love to go and see it in the festival in at the farm so yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely she definitely a good be, contender she would be amazing so i'm really really hoping for her and god i'm really going to sound like a pop princess now but, but honestly <laughs> like please don't take this too much of me obviously we all know my dream headliners would be acdc the prodigy you know uh, fleetwood mac yeah. that like if we're talking like you know never gonna happen those would be oh, right, yeah. right i would also love to see the spice girls do the legend slot <laughs> i mean yeah yeah because <laughs> i mean i think it'd be so good um and there's also rumors of rihanna who so so basically in order if we're talking about female solo artists then lady gaga would be my number one but i haven't heard much rumor about her rihanna would be number two and there's few whispers about her and then taylor swift i'm not so bothered about i think maybe i'm just I, she's slightly past i don't want to call it my generation but I like maybe i was like five years too late for five years too old for taylor swift to really be a, yeah. a massive yeah. part of my life you know there are i would prefer gaga or rihanna in terms of also solo performance just going back the, the exercise i did is i went back to the 2020 posters to see acts that were supposed to play and didn't came back for 2022 and on the pop side that you, you we did have Dua Lipa and Lana Del Rey, yep. I also probably would go if they play, I, even though uh, it's not my thing. But you need to get to need to go and see some pop, you know. <laughs> gotcha. And you've just made me remember. Oh my god, like Lizzo. I would. I really, really ah, want yeah, Lizzo yeah. to play as well. So she played in 2019, and I missed her on West Holtz, and I'm still kicking myself about it. Same I have, here. Same here. 
I have seen her twice since. So I've seen her at um, Brixton Academy and I've now, oh, nice. so I saw her there twice at Brixton Academy. And then I um, have got tickets to see her in March next year. So, I mean, I'm still going to see her, but again, she deserves a pyramid stage slot. She would be phenomenal. And I had somebody else on the tip of my tongue, but, oh yeah. And, and there's been a resurgence of all the like, you know, what's just happened that when we were young festival you know all the kind of i think you would call it emo punk and stuff like blink 182 have come back yeah yeah and there were all the rumors that green day was supposed to play this year oh true, true so anything like that i would be so on board with give me some sum 41 or some blink 182 or yeah definitely green day i'm really hoping for something like that on 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 the lineup for me and like these are definitely not rumors these are just my wishes I think. yeah 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 well in the in the nostalgia train then uh uh Morissette was doing the jagged oh, field tour yes. so yeah yeah she would be maybe amazing. she could go I, don't, I think the tour may i don't i don't know if it's still happening but come do a one-off alanis <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah yeah that's what she was rumored for this year wasn't she because she was doing I, a tour I, around I think the, the names time. were sort of around yeah mm-hmm. i don't know if there was a gap or anything i don't i, I would love to see alanis oh yeah uh from from that my exercise of going back to the 2020 posters uh some names i would love to see come back that were there was is robin uh we have uh manic street preachers uh mm-hmm. tom york was there as well mm-hmm. and i think i mentioned this at uh, as a Brazilian artist, which is one of the most important in Brazilian music, it's called Gilberto Gil. Uh, he was friends with uh, Arabella Churchill, so he was a Woody Farm before the festival even was a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can find articles at the Guardian how uh, how he was bringing a lot of ideas from Brazilian Carnival for the mm-hmm, festival, mm-hmm. and I think that's the reason maybe he was supposed to play in the 50 year anniversary. He was there on the poster. Maybe definitely there was some consideration about that. Sadly, he didn't come back in 2022, but he did play at the Barbican, so I saw that, and that was fantastic. And I would love to see this at the, at the farm and see maybe he would talk about it. I don't know. Maybe maybe it would be great if that would happen again. Yeah, you've mentioned him a few times, and I like I know you. You were so excited for him in 2020. So if if he plays next year, then I will be there with you. I'll meet you beforehand yeah. and we'll go together. <laughs> okay. I would love to see you literally living your best life to uh, Gilberto Gil. And I'm too, I fully support you on Spice Girls for Legends. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right, Jesse. So uh, we were all preparing for the ticket sales a few weeks ago, but then we got the surprise that this year was going to happen a little bit later in the year. So it's coming this November. When they announced, finally announced the date, uh, there was no mention of the price, which just recently has been confirmed. Do you have any thoughts you want to talk about that? Well, the upcoming ticket sale, because it's funny, right? Because we waited so long for Gossamer 2022, but we had our tickets in hands for so long as well. But it's the first time we're facing the dreaded ticket sale again. Yeah, and obviously like November ticket sale is the first time that's ever happened, isn't it? So that's interesting. Um, Yeah, the price, do you know what? There's obviously been so many people talking about this and I the problem is it's coming at a time where all of us are really struggling maybe not super struggling but you know we're all looking at things that we bought four months ago and seeing how much more expensive they are now I'm talking like petrol or even like your favorite brand of cereal that you buy from the same shop every week it it was two pound and now it's two pound sixty do you know what I mean and Uh we're all just seeing such huge price hikes and you know we can blame that on whatever it would be i'm just gonna say <laughs> well i'm just gonna say it's our government i won't say it anymore but you know there's things like brexit etc etc they've all contributed and the and the yeah, war yeah. that's happened we all know it's happening um 
And then energy, obviously, energy prices are the most ridiculous thing. And therefore, to see a number like £335 when, you know, you last time you paid £280, you kind of look at it and go, whoa. And it feels like so much. But having been to a number of festivals and also like I'm, I'm involved behind the scenes with a couple of festivals, particularly Boomtown Fair, and like I've heard, you know, from the horse's mouth from a lot of people, just how difficult it was to put on events this year. Yeah. Um, you know, when they had ticket prices, firstly, they've had to pay staff for the three years that has been ticking over. And then they've, you know, taking into account inflation, contractors are costing like 30 to 40% more, you know, and they've had to survive on the ticket prices that were, most of them were bought in 2019 and rolled over. So they, a lot of events have struggled or have had to cancel this year and stuff. So, so I kind of see both sides of the coin, but I feel like the, the, I, I had a feeling the price hike was coming. And if we actually, I saw a breakdown from the Glasto thingy, actually, of kind of previous years and what they cost. And there was a big jump. I think it was like maybe 2015 to 2017. I can't remember, but there was a big jump from like 230 to 280 or something. And that was like mm-hmm. the last big jump. And I don't remember people really talking about it much then if we actually just look at the increase from when we bought tickets in 2019 to now that's three years since we last bought the tickets and the increase per year is actually 17 pounds a year which Mm -hmm. when you look at it that way and then compare it to the previous jumps it's actually really quite fair I think going up 17 pounds a year when you you know take into account everything I've just said like inflation brexit whatever whatever I, I know that the number looking down looks like a lot but you know I'm still obviously going to pay it I think a lot of people will pay it but I think a lot of people will have to then you know particularly if you think like you know I've got to buy a family of four tickets like that that is quite a lot more that you've got to add on so I think people will just maybe be a bit um bit more uh safe with things like they'll bring more food to the festival stuff like that they'll you know but i I guess to summarize like everybody's feeling the pinch and to see it written down like that is is quite shocking but i think glastonbury do the the best they can like we've only got to put 15 sorry 50 pounds down in november and then we've got you know four months to if we save up like £60 a month the next four months, then we can, I, I don't know, that was very quick maths. I might be a bit, <laughs> uh, might be a bit short, but you know, it, it, it's, pos- it's possible to save up a little bit a month between now and April um, and then you can pay it off. But anyway, what are your thoughts, Miguel? Sorry. No, I think it's definitely the same feelings as you have. Uh, I think that's, it is justified. I think no one is questioning the, the raise and no one thinking Glastonbury is charging more than they should. And, for many, many years, people say that Glastonbury is so good, is a lot of good value. I would pay this amount. I would pay four or five hundred. But as you said, we used to say that in a context where people weren't having to choose between heating the house and, and buy food. So the macro t- context is the issue here, which is this podcast is not about that. So I think the, the, the price is still in a way, a lot of value, but it's just sad that more people are being priced out or they yeah. have to make choices. And as you say, suddenly, I know I have been bringing less things and hoping to enjoy all the amazing food that we have at the festival and buy <laughs> and buy drinks. But of course, all the food traders, they are having to raise their prices and yeah. again, justifiable. So then it's, 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 it's a weird when thinking about next year, Glastonbury, I'm already thinking, okay, I, th- I think I need to take 
more food again and more drinks in. Yeah, yeah, I need uh, to so, stay for it. I need to prepare yeah. for it, exactly. So I think there's no doubt that Glastonbury is still amazing good value. And people are really quick to say as well that uh, you mentioned Blink-182 coming back. Here, not as much as it happened in America, but the ticket prices in America were insane. So my other thought on that is that uh, even though you, you can say, oh, you can easily pay £100 to see someone at, at the O2 Arena or, or, or whatever that is, so it makes sense. However, that the fact that those price, those gigs are also costing that much mm-hmm. is also sad and a, a problem. And But if you do that comparison to, to justify the cost as well or, or the price, what does it mean to the smaller areas of the festival? And I think this yeah. is something that Gusto, the Gusto thing you mentioned, uh, someone who actually been going for Gusto Bar for so many years and maybe prefer to be all, all like just the camping aspect or like to be at Avalon or like to be at the circus field, they maybe have to start thinking even more than other, the other ones who like are justifying the cost because you play, you pay a hundred pounds to see Coldplay headline their own gig. So, 300 pounds in the festival is very cheap but someone who actually enjoys small bits yeah things outside the main stages it, it kind of maybe the the they're going to be thinking even more uh more about the value they're getting from yeah but again the, the, the not putting the fault of the festival is just sad at the state we're in and that people just have less disposable income i guess and they're having yeah, to yeah, make yeah. difficult choices and maybe the festival is not a priority and, and it sh- shouldn't be really uh but yeah. Uh, I mean, if we talk more about that, the podcast becomes something different. But, uh, uh, well, I think what we want to say is that we support, still support the festival. We still say it's an amazing experience and you can go back to listen to our podcast and know how much we love. But <laughs> it's, it's, it's difficult not to have the also thoughts on if many people being priced out, uh, how does this change the public attending as well? So mm-hmm. what does it mean for the future of the festival? But this is a conversation as a whole, not just. Glastonbury itself, you know, but yeah, it's, it's, yeah. uh, and I think uh, I just want to say, like, everybody knows my political leanings, right? And I'm not going to go like super yeah. down that down that route here. It's quite obvious where what side of the line I fall. Um, I I'm just hoping that something has got to give at some point. Um, because yeah, our, our the main thing is our wages are not growing at the same yeah, rate, yeah. nowhere near uh, as what um the, the 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 you know the cost of 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 not just living but actually enjoyment is going up so much exactly, but obviously yeah. the you know we need the basics first so everybody's got to prioritize you know feeding their family heating the home uh you know looking after the basics and then how much is left over for, to have some enjoyment and that that number is just getting less and less so i think you're right people are going to have to choose yeah. so and what what does that say as you say like who who can who can afford to go? Is it just people who can afford? You know, with lots of disposable disposable yeah, cash. Yeah. Anyway, but yeah, I I completely agree. Like I, as you say, I I the I, the number at first I was like ooh, and then when I looked at it, I was like it makes total sense, and I know how much everything costs. You know, in, infrastructure and everything else wise at the festival, so it's totally justifiable. And I you know I love that Emily Evis put out that statement about it sort of explaining a bit but i i do agree with you miguel like i i i just sort of well i worry for gigs and live events in general to be honest um, yeah not just especially that. especially because of again this is another topic but we, the reason that blink 182 was so expensive of in America is because a certain company is bringing new practices on how they sell tickets and mm-hmm. maybe soon it might start seeing this here so it's even going to be even more uh, complicated you know it's, I, I feel like music scene 
in UK has been importing some bad habits from America, <laughs> like yeah. in VIP stages or golden circles, golden yeah. circles, things like that, tier tickets. And now they have this dynamic pricing, where, which what happened with Blink-182, where they, they're putting down to a logarithm the same way where when you're trying to get a, an Uber, when it's a lot of people trying, they just charge more. So they are yeah, bringing that, that into ticket thing. sale. And then that's not a future I'm looking forward to. But anyway, we need, we need to turn this into more optimistic as yes, we yes. go towards the end and uh, which is i mean we covered strategies on in the um, maybe a lot of our listeners are, are always asking how do we get a ticket to Glastonbury we covered that before uh, you can go back in your catalog the first series is everything about Glastonbury and how to make the most of your st- first time there but I think my question just so we can help really our listeners who are, are new into this or maybe even those who are trying to improve their chances basically the strategy is quite simple because if someone gets through the queue to buy tickets the online queue they can get six tickets so the idea is just to split in groups of six and then just help each other as soon as your group gets in you have six people who are now free to help the next group and then you organize everything on a spreadsheet registration details there's a lot of details on the strategy that we're not getting to that on that this episode but i think my question is jesse if you had like a, to pick a top tip to share on how someone can improve their chances to get a ticket what would you say i think just like check three times four times five times that those registration details are correct um, and that you haven't got any like extra spaces in or somebody hasn't accidentally, you know, because we have a spreadsheet that is accessible to everybody who's viewing it. I actually obviously lock it so that nobody can fiddle with it. But just in case like a digit has been deleted or something, because for me, the in, in past experience over many, many years, the most frustrating thing for our groups is when you you get through and you're t- you're copying and pasting in those registration details, the numbers and the postcodes, and then you press go, and then you get that red text that says something is wrong, and then you know that's when you panic and you go, oh my god, like one of these registrations is incorrect, or you know. So, I, as Miguel said, we actually talk about in one of the podcasts. We we actually talk, uh, sorry, one of the episodes. We talk a lot about this, and we go into loads more detail. So if you're looking for that, like have a look on our website, find the episode, and and, and listen to that. But if it was just one top tip to make things less stressful, just honestly check those details eight or nine times like that you can never check it too many times it's like when you go on holiday and you have to keep going have I got my passport yes yeah yeah. (laughs) it's just just do that because that has been the biggest bugbear for us is when somebody has typed it in incorrectly or they haven't updated their registration so they've they've said oh yeah no that's definitely my postcode but actually the postcode that C tickets has is an older version and they haven't updated it yeah yeah and things like that so just just triple check you've got time now we've still got a week and a half well i don't know when this podcast will get released but we've still got a bit of time get on c tickets um check your registration and just copy and paste directly from that email so you know exactly what your what your details are and don't get it wrong don't be the one person who mucks it up for the rest of the team <laughs> or, or even worse in a similar vein is when someone joins more than one group mm. And then when you put in the details, you say, oh, this person already has a ticket oh, and, don't and delays that. everyone. So do not join more than one group. I have, an, I've, yeah. I've scratched people out of my life for doing yeah. that. I'm not gonna, <laughs> like, that is like number one 
like if, if you want a way to piss Jesse off like, or if you want me to never speak to you again, basically yeah, yeah. that is the number one way to do that. Um, yeah. Cause if like, that's it, if you, if you know, if, if I said to you, Miguel, Oh, can I be in your team? And then somebody at work said they're buying tickets as well. And I'm like, Oh, can you put my registration details in with you? And then my housemates doing it as well. Like, whoever does that it means that one of those groups you're going to really mess it up for because you you will get a ticket and then the other teams will get bounced back when when you already have your ticket so yes don't do that not very nice thing to do <laughs> uh and i think for me i think uh what i would choose as a tip for today is just uh, uh not not so much now but when they start selling tickets online and getting glastonbury ticket became a whole thing you used to see people getting to be this is before 4g maybe or 5g people would get together on someone's house to use the better internet someone who has a, a better broadband uh don't do that don't get together because if you get into the in under the same connection uh, maybe it's a bit technical and, and there's a lot of assumptions on how the queue work but one can presume that if you're under the same connection you're gonna say have the same ip address you might be competing against each other so it's best that you stay at, at your home and use a different connection from your spread other people out. on your yeah. group yeah spread out uh if you have uh, another device have one on wi-fi another one use the 4g or mobile connection so that to also help maximize your chances yeah perfect And I think that's where we are leaving you today with our top tips on how to get the tickets and best of luck to everyone in the sale. And until next time.